Randolph. I'm one-fifth, one-sixth uh, of the teaching team here at uh, Liminal Church of Ventura. I'm also one of your pastors. Um, and those of you who've been around, you might pick up some certain traits, some certain characteristics about each of your teachers up here. Um, there's certain language that we like. There are certain um, themes that we stick with. Um, there are also certain um, delivery uh, differences that we have. And um, mine in particular, the, my delivery and my preparation for this usually is to, for about two weeks, sit with all of the information um, to talk with many of you, um, to sit and just constantly just sitting up here. And then like two days beforehand, I just kind of put some stuff on, onto paper and see, see what happens. Um, today, it didn't, it didn't work that way. Um, I had been in my mind for a lot these last two weeks, uh, and actually in my mind a lot the last two years. Um, and in not true Wayne fashion, I actually wrote out everything today so that I don't miss... Uh, exactly what I want to say to y'all, and so that I stay on track, because you know I kind of do this sometimes. In fact, <laughs> my students, when I was a high school teacher, they used to bank on it. <laughs> they would love it if they could ask me a question, because they know I'm a storyteller, and then they would think that, oh man, I'm going to get off track, and then they won't get homework. Little did they know that they trained me to help me get back on track, how to stay, you know, keep my, my scope and sequence in mind, and, and get back to things. So, I just don't think we've got the time for that today, so I wrote it out for you. <laughs> that being said, uh, I want to start with a, a memory, that actually, that I have of last Easter. Um, uh, as many of you know, my, my pops, he, he passed away at the beginning of COVID. Um, not from COVID, but at the beginning of this crazy kind of shared existential crisis that we were all going through. Um, we moved my mom out here to be closer with us. Um, fantastic to see her um, pour into this community for a short amount of time, to be transformed by this community, um, to show me that an old dog can still learn tricks, that she can still change, she can still evolve, that the Spirit of God was still moving in her. Um, but my mom is old school. My mom grew up in a different generation. My mom was a missionary's kid. My mom grew up in Haiti. Um, there are crazy stories that I can tell you about her. But the one thing I will say is that this... Um, this lady was so committed to God and so committed to the Christian culture. She was wrapped up in it, and that's the culture that I grew up in. Um, but I bring all that up because I can remember last year um, calling my mom in the morning, uh, as I did almost every morning to check on her, and uh, I anticipated something when I, when I called. And so I called her, and she answered immediately with, and by, if you know my mom, by the way, the woman just exudes and exuded joy. And I mean, like, this was, this woman's nuts like that. She just loved, loved, loved. So, like, she picks up the phone. I can hear the smile. I could hear the energy. I could hear the sun already, you know, like, in her words. And she's like, he is risen. <laughs> I knew that was coming. And... Um, my relationship with my mom, the way that I showed her love, um, more often than not, was by being um, extremely sarcastic and bratty as often as possible. So I knew this was coming, that he has risen, and so I thought I'd, <laughs> I thought I'd mess with her a little bit. Uh, and I responded uh, with, um, are, you, are you saying dad's back, mom? Like, is, did, it, 
did it happen? Like, cause this is crazy. She just laughs. And again, if you know my mom, she just does it. Oh, Wayne. And she says, no, son, Jesus, Jesus is risen. And I'm like, oh yeah, mom, that's right. He is risen indeed. I share that with you because uh, maybe you grew up in the Christian culture, maybe you've grown up in this thing, and I got to be honest with you, um, there are times where that, I don't know, can I just call it kitschiness? Is that, <laughs> there's, there's times where it just, it just felt like too much, and, and I loved, I loved to let my mom know <laughs> that it was too much, um, but that was my last Easter with my mom. And I don't say that as like, oh, you know, that's how we left it. Like, we had a fantastic day. You know, we believe in resurrection. Like, we're all good. We had a fantastic time. But with her passing uh, last year, it, it's, it's caused me to hold up that diamond again of resurrection, of eternal life, of what, what's coming next. And it's caused me to look at different facets. Um, I've got, I've got different skin in this game now, right, with, with my parents being gone. So with that, friends, let's get into our, let's get into our system, our system. Let's get into our, <laughs> our message. So happy Easter. Um, the last book that my dad and I were reading together, I've mentioned this a couple times in some sermons before he passed, uh, and this book in particular, we had fantastic paradigm-shifting conversations over, uh, was Richard Rohr's book um, titled The Universal Christ, How a Forgotten Reality Can Change Everything We See, Hope For, and Believe. Today's sermon is crazy influenced by this book, and I would suggest if, if anything gets its hook in you today, I'd suggest you go get that book as, as fast as you can and consume it. So let's jump into the text. So today we're here on Easter Sunday. Hopefully you know how the story goes. We're going to be jumping in and out of, uh, out of that narrative. Um, but I'm just going to be looking at a small portion uh, of the text today, and it comes from the Gospel of John. It's from the 20th chapter, verses 19, 19 through 22. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. jump right into this story. We've got to do a quick recap. Just a couple of days before this scene, Jesus participated in his last Passover. He was betrayed by someone on the inside who was at that meal. He was handed over to the Jewish and Roman authorities, was sentenced to death unjustly. He died a criminal's death on a Roman cross and had already been laid to rest in his tomb. This poor group of Jesus' students now find themselves fearing that the same fate awaits them. 
but they seem to have forgotten Jesus' promise to them, his promise of oneness, oneness with the Father, his promise of resurrection. The disciples are gathered in fear, afraid of what awaits them after having witnessed the execution of Jesus, hiding behind locked doors, I have to pause and give a nod to John as an incredibly gifted author here. Beautifully gifted author. How many of us does that resonate with? How many of us can empathize with being so fearful that we've hit ourselves off behind locked doors, whether that's in reality, in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind? All of a sudden, Jesus is amongst them. In their fear, in their hiding, it just says Jesus is amongst them. Now again, the author doesn't tell us Jesus walked through the door. He doesn't say that he picked the lock. doesn't say anything. But the author lets us know that they are hiding behind locked doors in fear and that Jesus just appears he just shows up. Let your mind go wherever it would like to with that, because I think that's fantastic to stay curious about. And what does he say when he walks in? Shalom. He offers him shalom. Peace. Wholeness. A flourishing life with God, with each other with the created order of things, with themselves. He walks in right in the midst of their fear and offers them peace. Think of all the other things he could have said to them. He didn't call them on their fear or their doubt. He didn't chastise them for forgetting his promise to return. He just spoke peace, shalom, wholeness, and then he shows them the wounds, the cost of this transformative journey from death to resurrection. Now here's where I'm hoping you can track with me. John is not the only author uh, in the New Testament to pick up on this idea that Jesus is revealing uh, reality, that Jesus is revealing God to us. Um, but right in the opening of John, <laughs> on that first, on the evening, I'm sorry, can you go to, you should be on slide four. There we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. So here's where I'm asking you to track with me for a second, if you can make these jumps with me. If Jesus is revealing God, then God, in this moment, in this section of Scripture, 
in Jesus is presenting himself to us as what Father Rohr calls the forgiving victim. I'm going to let you sit that for a second because this changed everything for me. He shows up as the forgiving victim. This is Jesus reflecting the divine. What reality is like, what the center of all things is like. The forgiving victim. Think about this. Without such a revelation from the divine, how would there be any true change? Without the example of the forgiving victim, how would we ever address the amount of energy that we have spent storing up resentment and mistrust? Or the amount of energy we've wasted on silly us and them tribal wars justified in our actions because of our resentments and our religions? How else would humanity ever evolve if the divine didn't show us the way to break free of the cycles and systems of death and destruction that we've created. It takes an innocent victim of the systematized brutality, a victim who seemingly would be justified in retribution to choose forgiveness over payback, to choose restoration over retribution. The divine forgiving victim invites us into a new grasp on reality. And then what does Jesus do? He breathes on them. Where does your mind go when you hear that? Again, John is an incredibly gifted storyteller. He breathes on them. John beautifully weaves this current moment of crucifixion, the fear of death, Resurrection, the offering of shalom, the forgiving victim. He's going he's gonna to merge that with Ruach, the Spirit of God. Let me pause there for a second for those of you that might be new. Ruach in Hebrew is the word for breath. It is the word for spirit. It is the word for wind. It is the word for energy, that vitality, that life force is in us. So here John is taking this moment and having us see all these, these components going on and he's weaving the, together this beautiful story, this tapestry that includes Ruach and the garden and the first breath that God gifted life itself. This is a new life. This is a new humanity. The word for Adam, Adam, is humanity. When, when, light, when God creates in the beginning, he creates Adam and Eve. Those words mean life and humanity. Here we have a new Adam, a new humanity. And what's happening again? The breath is there. Ruach is there. Breathing new life. Inviting the disciples to evolve. To move beyond the system of death and brutality and destruction and us and them into something much larger. What might John be communicating to us? Remember that he starts his gospel with explaining that the Christ, 
which has existed from all eternity. Track with me here. While only Jesus existed 2,000 years ago in time. Just before this story, the resurrected Jesus is mistaken for a gardener when Mary sees him. Maybe some of you went to the earlier service today. I believe Catherine talked about that. Again, tying him back to Eden, to something much bigger and ancient and more eternal. Father Richard Rohr puts it this way. To put it straightforward for you, the Christ is the Christian code word for reality. Jesus, the Christ, reveals reality. He is the revelation of reality. He is, as Rohr says also, the shape of the universe. So if Jesus, the Christ, is resurrected, and the Christ is revealing the pattern of the universe, then the resurrection of Jesus is not just a one-time act, but a revelation of the way that things are. And isn't this what astrophysicists are also discovering? That nothing dies? Everything is transformed. And so the final chapter of human history is a resurrection, not death. Hallelujah. Death is just another form of change. For sure, it's a drastic form. (laughs) I'm an idealist, so I'll just kind of like paint this pretty picture of it, right? But it is a drastic change nonetheless. But death is another way that we are asked to let go, to let go of what appears to be and enter into something new. How much of our life do we spend trying to hold back the tides of change? However, that change may appear in your life. We spend a lot of time and a lot of energy attempting to keep things as they are, resistant to change, fearful of change, like scrambling to maintain your sandcastle as the tide comes in. But what do we know about tides? They're coming in. The sandcastle will fall no matter how structurally sound it appears or how much intention and energy you put into its construction. As time moves on, things change. Everything changes. Everything changes in our lives. Everything in our world changes. Nothing ever stays the same. And flashback to those, those knuckleheads sitting in that room fearful, all that change that they just experienced, the anticipation of the change that they, were, that they thought was coming, and then so let down, so let down. The fear got them. They lost that vision, right? To be sure, the Christ does not offer a static life, one that is free of change or free of death or free of pain and suffering. Those things still come. In fact, we're promised them. What we are offered in the act of the Christ is that those things lose their power over us. Death loses its sting. Yes, we acknowledge that change happens. We acknowledge that we have to let go of what was. We acknowledge that physical death will one day come to us. But they lose their power over us in that we no longer have to spend our days being afraid of them. 
trying to ward them off. We can accept them as they come. We can prepare for them when they come so that when those moments happen, we can step into the unknown and embrace the mystery with confidence, ready and unafraid. Because we are confident that no matter what comes our way, that this message of Easter, of resurrection, it tells us that this isn't the end. It may feel like the end. It may feel like there's nothing left to come, but there is more. It'll be different. It'll be strange. It's likely unimaginable. But there is more to come, and we can embrace that. We can let go of what was, and we can embrace what's to come. I don't think that this is something that I um, had the freedom to say when I was a classroom teacher of theology. Um, but standing in front of you as a part of this community, um, I'm fairly, fairly positive that John is inviting us to step into this story, into the flow, into those unforced rhythms of grace that Jesus offers us on the journey. With a fresh breath from Ruach, with the example of the forgiving victim, with a new perspective, unafraid of death, knowing that this is going somewhere, that God is making it happen, attempting to stay in the flow of the Spirit, trusting that our failures, our sufferings, and our deaths will be transformed because he has risen. He has revealed reality to us. He has risen indeed. Amen? I'd like to invite us up for communion. In this invitation, uh, my sisters and brothers, this isn't my table. It's not your table. It's not our table. But it's Christ's table. And because it's Christ's table, all of us are welcome here. At this table, you don't have to worship a certain way, look a certain way, or love a certain way. You don't have to believe what I believe or what the person sitting next to you believes. You just have to come exactly as you are, seeking the one who is seeking you. So come, all of you, not because you must, but because you may. And here you may find healing and wholeness for your journey. Let me pray. Christ, who was there before the universe was called in, into creation, Christ, who was anticipated by the prophets and prepared for by the people, Christ, who was born in a manger, baptized in the Jordan, and who calmed storms on the Sea of Galilee, Christ, who fed us all with word, with healing, with loaves and fishes. Christ who saved us with a cross and an empty tomb. Christ who never faded, never abandoned, never truly left us. Christ of love, it is with you and because of you and in celebration of you that we gather around your table this morning. And gathered as we are, we pray, come Holy Spirit, come Ruach. We 
bless you for the grain that resulted in this bread and the fruit of this vine. Bless all of us in our eating and drinking at this table that our eyes may be opened, that we may recognize the resurrected and eternal Christ in our midst and in each other and be united with all for whom the forgiving victim was slain. Amen. I'm going to read over a few more words while I'm doing this. Feel free to come up and, and grab the elements. And so we remember that on the morning of Jesus' resurrection, the women took spices that had been prepared and they went to his tomb. There they found that the stone had been rolled away and that his tomb was now empty. There they found two men with faces shining like lightning who said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? There the women remembered Jesus' words that the Son of Man must be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And so this morning we remember the story of Jesus' resurrection and the story leading up to it. And we remember this story. We gather around this table and we break bread and pour wine and we are made whole. And we give thanks that everything Jesus did was for love and for us. With great joy this morning, I proclaim in Jesus' name that these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come, for the table is ready. Come.